Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta, and we are here with former UCF Knight, former Juco Bandit, and current Chicago White Sox prospect, Tyler Osick. What is up, Tyler? What's up, man? How's it going? It's good. It's good. I, I mean, we're starting to get a little bit closer. People are starting to talk about baseball coming back, so I'm starting to get a little bit more excited. We don't know when it's going to happen, obviously, but a little bit, a little more excitement's happening here, a little bit more uh, pep in my step on this episode. But uh, yeah, man, uh, what have you been up to? What have you been doing in this quarantine? I've been down at uh, at UCF back where I went to college, and I've just been working out, training out here, and uh, trying to stay busy as much as I can. Uh, I got a field uh, at a local high school around here that me and a few other guys who are playing professional baseball, this kid Ryan Mountcastle, who's an Orioles prospect, and a few other guys that I played with at UCF, we just hit and work out and stuff there. Good. You guys practice social distancing, obviously, six feet away. So you guys are chilling. I mean, you guys are all on my good <laughs> side and all that kind of stuff. Not that I really care that much, to be honest, but people are taking the precautions. Whatever. I want sports back, so I'll do whatever it takes. Um, well, yeah, let, let's go into – I mentioned you were a Juco bandit, obviously, just like myself, but you went to a disgusting Juco. Ever heard of it? Chipola. Naughty <laughs> champs. What was your time like at Chipola? Because there's a lot of dogs that went there. I mean, you have Jose Bautista, Russell Martin, and then you. So what was your time like at Chipola? Because that's just a nasty juco. Like, it just blows every school out of the water pretty much. Oh, it was so sick going there. It was, um, I met some of the best friends that I have still to this day. That's how I'm uh, good friends with Bowden and his, and his brother Harrison. So I met some of my best friends there. And it was just really cool because at juco, it's like, you know how it is. It's everyone there is trying to just trying to grind just to get out and and uh keep going whatever it is with with their career or life so we had a bunch of great players there uh, after my sophomore year we had like 11 players drafted that year and and we we tied for the for the most draft picks from any school in the country uh, as a junior college so it was pretty sick it's just your team like chipola is just so much superior compared to other juco teams like if you guys faced my juco when i was there i honestly don't even want to know what the result would be or what i would have done for instance in the batter's box like i probably would have went like 0 for 12 on the weekend with like nine k's <laughs> which is a usual weekend so that's not really me going up against anything but how easy was it for you guys to just win games and some of the games you guys played? It just must have been just kind of boring for you because you guys probably blew out a couple teams, right? Yeah, well, we were coached really well, too. So we Jeff Johnson was our head coach. He's one of the best coaches I've ever played for and great human being. He's such a cool guy. And it was just we were very talented. And then we also we played really hard and loved each other. So we did smoke a bunch of teams and and it was fun, you know, it was it was kind of like we didn't really have to even play our A game sometimes to get some wins, so it was cool. Yeah, and you guys, I mean, having 11 players drafted and stuff like that, and you said you guys were well coached, you guys all played together. Did you guys kind of run up the scores every once in a while on teams? Because I would have. I'll tell you right now, I would have just beat teams like 30, 40, nothing if I wanted to. Well, luckily, they, well, they had a run rule, so we would get out of the games after the fifth inning sometimes. Um yeah, so we but we would beat some teams pretty bad. I think the most we ever put up was like thirty or something. See, like I feel like when coaches get mad over you running the scores up are just losers. Like, dude, like it, I feel like it's more embarrassing from my from my standpoint. Like it's more embarrassing if like I'm across the field from you guys and you guys are letting up, like you guys are hitting the other way, or you guys are like not really throwing your best guys out there. It's kind of embarrassing. I mean, that's more embarrassing than running the score up, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, well, our coach put in, uh, he would, he would put in the backups or people on the bench to get them at bats too. He was really good about that. He didn't, he didn't just keep the starters in, but our backups were really good too. So it wasn't like that big of a, you know, difference really. Exactly. Exactly. I, I wanted to go into your, you as a child because you actually did have a fault. Your dad played in the show and yeah. I wanted to mention something because I, I always, tr I always screw this up. Cause I always think people's dads played in the show and they're doing coach pitch and their dad actually is just like a, he works he's like a businessman somewhere. He's not actually in the show, but your dad actually legitimately played in the show. How cool was that for you to be a, a child and kind of grow up in like a big league locker room? Oh, that was like the coolest thing ever. Um, like every summer, me and my my mom and my sister would would just go and live with my dad while he was playing games and stuff. And every day I would show up to the field and I would take ground balls with them, uh, shag in the outfield with them, and then hit in the cages, hit on the field. Like it was just so sick. And it was cool to like meet like a lot of good players and guys that I looked up to and all that stuff. So it was dope. 
He played for the Pirates, I believe, right? So yeah, what, he, what kind of play? What what players did he play with that are like Hall of Famers or like big names now? Um, well, Jason Kendall was he. I still talk to Jason Kendall still to this day. I here and there I talk to him about baseball and stuff. Aramis Ramirez, um, Pokey Reese, Brian Giles, uh, guys like that. So Brian Giles actually gave me my uh, my first lip of my life when I was like five <laughs> years old. I was well, five years. I was five years old, and he put skull mitt in my lip. How cool is that? I mean, honestly, that's how I kind of wish I was grown up, like a, yeah. a five-year-old having a dip with a big leaguer. Like, that's an honor. I would just be like, <laughs> this is insane. Like, I would literally be like, yeah, give me a dip. What what happened? Like, he just said, do you want a dip? Or you were just like, screw it, give me one. Well, so I was out at batting practice with them before the game, and my dad had to go back into the clubhouse to maybe get, like, a stick of pine tar or something, and they hit in the same group. So my dad's like hey, can you uh, watch my kid for like five minutes while I run in the clubhouse real quick? And Brian, Brian was, was crazy. So he, he, uh, he walked over to me. He's like, hey, this is some Pop Rocks. You ever had Pop Rocks? Just leave it in your lip. And just, he's like, he's like, if it, he's like, if it gets, too, uh, gets too much juice in there, just spit it out. And, and I was like, all right, sounds good. So he just opened my lip, put it in there for me. And then my dad came out a few minutes later. He's like, I leave you for two minutes with my kid. And this is what you do. He's five, bro. <laughs> was your dad even mad though because i feel i honestly wouldn't even be that mad i'd be like this is the most legendary shit of all time my son's yeah. gonna grow up to be a legend <laughs> yeah no he uh he he thought it was he was kind of mad but he thought it was funny at the end of the day yeah because honestly there's a, a little part of him that's like a parent that's like all right like my son's five years old he probably shouldn't have a dip in i don't know what the health concerns are with that i'm not a doctor but like just <laughs> Just, just the idea of a five-year-old having a dip in is just legendary. Like, if someone took a picture of that, you would probably be like one of the most popular players in baseball right now. A five-year-old to dip in. Yeah, yeah, exactly, bro. Like, if they had cameras back then, I guarantee you a lot of them would. Like, I mean, phones and stuff out there, they probably would have taken pictures. That was probably funny. I like, and that story of you having a dip when you're five years old is. I'm just gonna put on the record. I'm clipping that and putting this. Like, this is a lot is electric. That's probably one of the funniest stories like we've had. Like, I just <laughs> couldn't yeah. imagine. I just couldn't imagine like what has to go through a big leaguer's head to say, "I'm gonna give a five year old a dip." Like, it's oh, just okay. amazing. Oh yeah, he was that dude. So funny, dude. He 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 would do stuff like that all the time, just off the wall stuff. That is like, dude, I love it. I love it. And do you have any any other funny stories about growing up in clubhouses? Because the thing is that when you're yeah. growing up, when you're growing up in a clubhouse, when you're like young and all that kind of stuff, you kind of mature a little bit quicker than the other kids, right? You're seeing yeah. shit like everyone, like you're seeing people drink beers after games, like cranking their swear words, being tossed around, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like it's a little bit cooler for you. Like, do you have any other stories like that? Yeah. Well, another funny story too was my. Uh... So when I was home, like, uh, I would spend a lot of time with my grandparents because my, uh, my dad was away playing, you know, so then, and I would, and whenever my grandpa would watch their games on TV, he would obviously like be, he would be talking about the game. If, if a guy made an error, he would like say something. If a guy wasn't hitting well, he'd be like, this guy's slumping right now. Like just saying things like, and not thinking that it would get back to any of the players. And then I would go, cause I was only like five or six years old. I would run in and go tell the players, Hey, my grandpa thinks you stink, man. So like they, like my dad had to go up to my grandpa. He's like, Larry, you can't be talking about the game around Tyler. He goes right to them and tells them. <laughs> Good, oh, dude, could you imagine just slumping? And then a little five-year-old kid who just had a dip in the, in the BP group comes yeah. up to you and says, Hey man, like you got to pick it the hell up. Like you stink. Like exactly. Oh, what were their reactions to you? Were they laughing or were they kind of like, what the hell's going on here? They would think it's funny. Like they would laugh, but then my dad would be kind of embarrassed just because he was like, damn, my kids just telling these guys like reckless stuff. Like they, you know how it is. No one, everyone knows when they're sucking and they don't want to hear from anybody. No, exactly. And, and if I, if, if a little five-year-old Muppet, Muppet came up to yeah. me and I was like, I was slumping in Juco, he would have caught the right hook from hell. I apologize, <laughs> but I, I was just in some sort of shit mood in my whole Juco career because I was hitting so bad. Obviously, 186 average career lifetime, whatever. But like I said, I would have just been just livid. And when you're growing up in those kind of clubhouses, what was like the what was the first swear word that you learned? Because we can swear on this podcast. Like, what was the first swear word, and what age did you learn it? Where you like, damn, like this is sick. I'm gonna bring this back to school and just teach all of my friends this. Uh, I don't know. It's probably just the f word. Just, just because I don't know. I probably heard it before from my mom. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was. But it was. 
yeah, it was cool. It was cool though, hanging around all those guys. Yeah, I like. And do you feel like that kind of influenced you to kind of grow up to be like, I want to be in the show, like I want to be a big leaguer, all that kind of stuff? Because it definitely helps. It kind, like I said earlier, it definitely helps with that because when you're growing up around big leaguers, you learn how to act like a big leaguer, you learn how to train like a big leaguer, and you kind of get that from a young age. It's kind of imprinted into your head that like, listen, this is the 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 step, the footsteps into becoming a major league baseball player, right? Yeah, well, it was that's kind of what initially sparked, uh, like initially sparked my interest to like really want to play baseball and like, and like do it was because I just remember how sick it is like just walking out from a big league clubhouse like through the tunnel onto a big league field is like one of the coolest feelings in the world. And when I used to just do it just to go out and watch my dad or, or them practice like that initially sparked my interest and like made me really want to do it. And then I had a few years here and there like throughout high school where I kind of lost my love for the game. And it I, I had different things that I was trying to do, just just being a kid and stuff. But I, I got it back after when I was like in college, you know, just I was like, damn, I really want to do this. And I I know how cool it is and what, what you could do, you know. So what were your stats like in JUCO? Because to go to UCF, which is a pretty good baseball school, pretty good school in general. What like were you just mashing? Like, was it like over 350? No, I hit like 330. I hit like 330 with like five homers and like 30 RBIs or something. I didn't start putting up good, really good numbers, believe it or not, till I got to UCF. Like I, when I got to UCF, I, then I, then I hit three, 310 with nine homers and led the conference in RBIs. And then my senior year, I hit 325 with uh, 15 doubles, 10 homers, and 40 ribbies. So, what when you when you were at uh, Chipola, you guys won the Natty, I believe, right? So I was right when I said that. Yeah, yeah. I was I was actually rehabbing my arm from I got uh Tommy John surgery. So I was rehabbing when they won it, but it was cool just to be a part of like just be a part of that program when they did it, you know. Were you guys popping bottles and celebrating cuz I like I said you were the you're the first Juco like national champion we've had on this podcast. So I just always wondered, like, if you win a Juco Natty, like, are you popping bottles or is it just kind of whatever with that kind of stuff? I I wasn't there, but I know they all were. They were going hard, you know. They were they were so they were so pumped and it was like so sick to see, you know, like just to see those guys do it and and uh, win a national championship. Like it's I saw the road that they took and all the things they had to do to do it. So it was it was not easy, but it was when they won it, they were going hard for sure. Oh, dude, I would have won oh, like especially being like a sophomore and winning the Natty for Juco. I I might have had to get carried home in a body bag. I like yeah. I would have drank so much beer. I would have just been cr- like ripping cigars with like, like like I just won the World Series. But technically they did win the World Series. What are the rings like? Cuz I've seen some Juco rings that are actually kind of sick. Their rings are sick, dude. It's it's they, they and then they won it the next year too when I was at UCF, so my coach my coach got some sick bling, you know, from <laughs> the last few years there, bro. They went to the World Series three straight years. Dude, it's just they're a powerhouse. And it's actually crazy that like he it hasn't gotten any like your coach hasn't gotten any D one offers or anything like that. Because to coach a JUCO program where you guys could beat a ton of division one schools, like you guys would embarrass just a pretty good amount of D one schools because you guys are all drop pick D one kind of players. It's just, it's weird. It's, it, does he not want to go division one or he just kind of loves doing the Juco thing? He was, it's, uh, he really loves it there. Cause he's got a, he's, he's developed a really good program there and he really loves it. He loves the town and he, uh, he's got a good setup. His house is right across the street from the field. So he could ride a golf cart to work every day. And, uh, but so he, he, he knows it's going to take a, a really big time program for him to leave that, to leave Chipola. And I think he was in the running for, he's in the running for the Auburn coach a couple years back, and then he was in running for, uh, for the UCF coach, believe it or not, before my coach got it. And then uh, he, this year he was, like one of he was the like top three finalist for becoming like the Florida State coach. Like he got interviewed for that job and stuff. So he's he he's had uh, some opportunities, but I think within the next few years, he, whenever there's a big job opening up, I think he should be a top candidate because he can win for sure anywhere. Oh, dude, dude, and just, like, to create that kind of winning mentality in a program like that, like Chipola, in a conference, that's difficult. Because I know in Florida, they have a, t- a pretty good amount of JUCOs there. I mean, you got Northwest Florida State, I believe they're called. And then you got, like, there's a ton of them, actually. But what was your conference like, though? Because, like I said, we you did embarrass teams and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, your conference was just 
you you're, you have some dogs there, right? So you guys must have had some close games, some uh, some games where you're like, man, we might not make it through the playoffs here. Yeah, our conference was really good. Like you said, Northwest Florida, Gulf Coast, uh, Tallahassee Community College, and then um, Pensacola State. That was, I think, the five teams in our conference. But yeah, no, every team was really good. Like they had like sick arms. Like people don't realize like how good it is and how hard it is to like just make it out of the state of Florida in junior college. It's ridiculous. Like they're, they're running out 94, 95 mile per hour arms like very frequently, you know? Yeah, and this is why people go JUCOs because, and it sucks to say, but it's not the hardest education. I mean, yeah, I yeah. went there, for instance, and I'm not the brightest, not like a 3.2 GPA, I think, but I also took bowling class. So that <laughs> might also factor to the 3.2 GPA. But like I said, man, when you're out of JUCO, you're, it's baseball, and there's tons, and they can offer more scholarships, right? So yeah. if they can offer more scholarships, then at the end of the day, it's like, you're battling with three other people on scholarship for your position. It's not like D1 where th- there's a lot of walk-ons and stuff. It's just it, there's a ton of guys on scholarship, right? Exactly, yeah, for sure. A lot of guys are on scholarship and brings in a lot of good players, and then halfway through the year they bring in more players from people that want to leave their four-year school or stuff like that, and that's, that's how uh, they just keep getting good players every year too, you know? Yeah, and you went to UCF like you stated. What other schools were looking at you out of uh, out of JUCO? It must have just been a laundry list of teams. Um, I was talking to like Missouri, uh, Louisiana, Lafayette, Memphis, um, a couple schools from back home, Stony Brook, uh, and that's really it. Honestly, like schools like that. Okay, so just SEC teams, whatever, not a big deal. Missouri, Mizzou, <laughs> shout out Mizzou. But and then you go to you go to UCF and you get drafted by the White Sox. What was running through your head when you're like, "Damn, man, this kid from New York who went JUCO out of high school and then had to go D1 and finally got drafted is finally living out his dream to play professional baseball." How cool is that for you? Yeah, well, I was like talking to a bunch of teams for before the draft, and as it started to get later, because I was a senior sign. I was starting to get a little nervous. I went inside. My family and my uh, my girlfriend at the time, where they were chilling out in the backyard and watching the draft, and and uh, I was starting to get a little nervous. I was like, "Damn, I might have to, I might have to find a job soon." And then when I went inside, I just literally got a comment on my Instagram from somebody I didn't even, didn't even know saying, "Congrats on getting drafted," uh, something like that. And I was like, "What do you mean? I didn't get drafted." And then I just walk out, and like my parents were all excited and stuff. So that's how I found out. But then I was like, "All right." I was like, all I need is an opportunity. You feel me? Because I was like, I know, I know what I could do. So, I was just excited for the opportunity. But it felt so good because I worked really hard. And you know how it is going JUCO; it's not the easiest uh, route. And um, it was just a great feeling, dude. It was really cool. For sure. And you didn't even know you got drafted. How does that even happen? You like, you didn't get a call? No. Well, like, so my, so my agent was was uh, talking to teams, and then the two highest teams on me at the time were the were the Red Sox and the Mets, and they, and then a couple rounds previously, they picked uh, they picked players at my position. So my agent said, uh, right, "I'm going to make another round with teams and see what happens." And and uh, they just it just popped up on the draft tracker, and I was inside, like I said, so I didn't I wasn't out there by the phone or anything or get to listen to it. So I actually just found out from the comment. That's a lot. So sh- they call shout you out the guy they, that commented. They, yeah, oh, right? they call you after. Yeah, yeah they, they call, call you after okay. with your like flight and information and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So shout out to the guy that was it Ken Rosenthal, maybe? Was it Ken Rosenthal who broke the news to you? <laughs> no, 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 definitely. It was like somebody just asking, like some I guess it's a person who follows a draft and just asks for like auto, like an autograph or memorabilia just to try and be the first one on it. Okay, did you give him an autograph? Did you say like, all right, you broke the news, here's an autograph? I never sent I never was able to send it, man. I never got to it. Oh, you hate to see it. You hate to see it, but I respect it. I respect the I respect the flex. Yeah. And when you get drafted by the White Sox, you have to fly out and all that kind of stuff. What was your first experience like with the Chicago White Sox? Because you actually are the first White Sox player we've ever had on this podcast. So congrats on that. Shout out to you for that. A little bit of a biased podcast here. I gotta figure that out. But um <laughs> what 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 was that like for you? Uh it was so sick when I got out there. Um I actually, th- I actually think about this a lot. It's like when I got there, I didn't really know what to expect, you know. So, uh, got out there. We had our physicals, had a three day little mini camp, and then and then started playing games and stuff. And once you just get a little taste uh, of like professional baseball, you just like for me at least, I was like, dude, I want this even more now. Like now that I'm like 
it's everything I ever dreamed of, you know? So I was like, I want this, I want this hard. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to put in some more work now because I, I don't want the day that I can't, that I can't do this anymore to come. So I, it's just really cool. And yeah, your hard work paid off, man. I mean, looking at your stats, you hit, I, I believe it was 271 your first year and then 278 your second year. So those are pretty good numbers. So what was, what was adjust, adjusting to professional pitching like for you? Because I've heard at the lower levels, it's a lot of like Dominicans and guys like from the U.S. that throw hard but can't control. So it's a little bit different, the approach that you kind of have at the plate. So what was that like for you just to, um, I mean, adjust to professional hitting? Well, so last year, believe it or not, I, uh, last year was my first full year. I mean, last year was my first year, but I, I played, I started off in the rookie ball league. So that's, I hit, I played there and that's where there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, like you said, Latino players that, that throw really hard, but they don't have command. So like, believe it or not, I thought that place was kind of harder to hit than, than in a couple, than a, a month into the season, I got moved up to a ball. So that's, and then when I got there, it's more, you're, they're more polished and, uh, and college level pitchers that like that have good stuff and command. So I thought it got started to get easier hitting actually, as you move up because it's the guys are around the zone more, you know what I'm saying? And and you could have a plan and an approach on what you're trying to do. But in rookie ball, it's kind of like whatever you get in the zone, you better swing at because one, you don't know how many strikes you're going to see. And two, the umpires are rookies as well. That That's their first time umpiring. So the zones are horrible. And so it's not easy to hit there, you know? Did you ever get into like a confrontation in rookie ball? Because I feel like with some of the umpires, I sometimes when they post like prospect videos of pitchers like throwing pens or whatever, and or not throwing pens, like throwing in a game, and a ball is like a foot and a half, like two feet outside, and he calls it a strike. Like I feel like that get very frustrating, especially being a guy that that's your first taste of pro ball. What was that like? Did you? I'm sorry, not what was that like? Did you get in any confrontations with umpires? Like, man, are you kidding me, dude? Like any stuff like that? No, I never gotten any confrontations just because I was like, I don't think I'm in a position right now to get ejected and get fined and and just look like a bad teammate. I was like more just focused on trying to do the right thing. But like, I don't know. In college, I got ejected a couple times. So <laughs> I love it. Getting ejected is like a badge of honor. Like that's something yeah. you put in like that's something you put up like in your bio, like been ejected three times at UCF. And <laughs> Like, it's just, it, it's an honor to do that. And I actually, talking about UCF, because I, I just remembered this, do you consider the UCF football national champions? Are you that kind of guy? Is that the kind of guy you are? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so, man. I, I don't consider them national champions, but I do think that they uh, they should have had a ch- at least a fair chance to, to play for the national championship. Because, you know, like, at, co- at college level, the diff- the talent gap isn't that big, I don't think, and especially like in a team sport, anybody could beat anybody. And I think they really had a really good team. I mean, they went undefeated and beat Auburn in, in, in the Peach Bowl that year. So I think they could have beat anybody, but I don't consider them the national champions, you know? No, for, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it just sucks. They didn't get that bid to go to the national championship, but I just, I don't know if it's like it's, if people escalate it outside of UCF, but them putting up that they're national champions pissed so many people off. Which is so funny. many people off. It was a good publicity thing, huh? It was well, a good publicity thing. A lot more people heard of UCF after they did that. They actually it have was, the banners around the practice field, and they have the uh, it says 2017 national championships on the on the stadium. In the- <laughs> I mean, people are like especially Alabama folk like. It, it just, you can't get Alabama fans mad because they are just some of the meanest people, I think, ever when they're angry. It's like crazy. So that coach's Twitter mentions, I believe it was Scott Frost, his mm-hmm. Twitter mentions must be just like hate mail, like just death threats and everything. I could only imagine what it was at that time. That was probably reckless. And at UCF, you guys do this weird tradition thing. I don't know if you participated in this. It's like the running in the fountain or something like that describe describe what that is and this is my research me being a genius coming up with this kind of stuff because not many people know about this what is it describe what it is to the people and like give a little insight on what it is so it's like there's this there's this big uh fountain in the middle of campus and it's like i don't know the name of it either but it's like literally probably fifty thousand 
or I don't know, maybe 10 to 20,000 people, students go and they line up. I remember walking through campus that day back from class and I just saw people lined up for like a mile getting ready to run in the freaking uh, fountain. And so like, it's just, they just run in and then there's like a bunch of little rubber ducks that they take as like a prize. And if you get that, like, I guess it's cool, but I don't know. It is crazy that like people did that. And, and I watched a video on it. And some of these kids doing it are blackout drunk. Like, literally yeah. shouldn't be anywhere around, of, like, a, a water in period, which is, like, scary. But I'd do the same thing, to be honest. But um, <laughs> it's just – it's crazy. So when you were at UCF, how hard is the schooling there? Because we don't really, t- like, hear that much about the schooling for majority of the athletes we, we uh, talk on the podcast here. But what is it like at UCF? Uh, the schooling was – it was fairly – it was fairly difficult. I, luckily, luckily we had uh, tutors and this like academic center that we had to go and get eight hours of study hall every week. So that made it a lot easier because it kind of forced you to do your work, you know. So uh, with that, with that being said, it was it was it was good though. We had a lot of resources to do well, so it wasn't too bad. And what was your major? Because I just I feel like it's just a throw. Like some people just do throwaways, like kinesiology or just like just random stuff like what was yours mine was kind of like since i transferred from junior college the ones for me to be eligible i had to do this this major called interdisciplinary studies where it's you it's like a, a major at ucf where you pick two fields of study so i picked sports business and education as my two minors and then it's like you combine them as for a major you know and how hard how hard was the schooling there for you just being an athlete? Because as a guy at UCF, you guys travel a lot and you're rarely in class. And obviously you're rarely kind of seeing what it's like to be in a classroom. So the schooling must have just been insanely hard for guys that are at, like just never in class. Right. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it was it was it wasn't easy. You know, I, I would kind of mess up sometimes and forget to do some things just because I was like tired from a road trip, getting back at, on like Sunday at like 1 a.m. and then having to go to class or something the next day. So like it was kind of difficult. But luckily, my academic advisors just kept me on track and the teachers gave us some they gave us some leeway just because they know like they know the schedule and the travel and all that type of stuff. So would you say that being at a school like that would you say that athletes get off a little bit easier when it comes to like being like teachers being lenient with like due dates and stuff like that because i definitely received it at juco so i don't know what it was like at a d1 but i feel like it's a little bit different like a little bit harder to get stuff done right um it's a little bit harder but we had like a we had a sheet that we had to give every professor at the at the uh, beginning of the semester and it said our travel dates and um and when we would when we would be missing class, so they knew though, like if you were actually if you were actually going to be away, like and there was a test that day, like they would give you an extension, and then you could come in and take it in their office. So like they they knew though, like you couldn't just like they wouldn't just give you an extension or give you leeway unless it was actually legit. I feel like the professor would just like be like wait for you guys and be like these assholes man like i gotta just move my schedule around for all these athletes and stuff like that which is electric and i love it because at the end of the day we're not here to play school that's a favorite that's a famous quote we're not here to play school we're here to play baseball but at ucf you guys you were were you guys like a powerhouse baseball team because i totally forgot to even look at the record we weren't powerhouse uh we weren't a powerhouse but we still had good years each year that i was there i think my first year we went like 35 and 24 and then Last year we went like thirty six and twenty. Um, we were the first four out for getting a an at large bid to the regional both years, and um, and then this year they were actually rolling. They were twelfth in the country and they were fifteen and three. They swept Auburn on the road at their place, and uh, they were they were probably going to host a regional this year. So they they made the next the next step this year. So I was like really proud as like an alum just to see them like take it to the next level this year. Then how easy is it? to be a recruiting coordinator and recruit guys to go to school at UCF at Florida. I'm talking about off field stuff here. You, the beach, your part, like the parties, like the females that go there. It must be just the easiest thing ever to recruit. Like how sold were you? And like, a, were you sold in like a second when Bro, UCF rang? They, uh, they, they, they uh, the assistant coach at the time, Ryan Klosterman, and he was recruiting me when I was at Chipola. He, he called me and said he was interested. And then they, uh, he said, you want to come down for a visit? And I, and I looked it up on, he, like, he had this little thing that he sent out where it's like a video of the campus and, and stuff like that. And at the time I just said, bro, I don't even need to come on a visit. That, I, I'm, <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, I'm coming. I'm committing right now. Dude, it just like it just it it sucks because like for the schools closer to us, like New York, Toronto, like where it's cold, it's definitely difficult to recruit kids to go there because you're going up against UCF and it looks like a Dan Bilzerian mansion with the females rolling around these kind of schools. Like, how could a kid that's 18, 19, 20 say no to that? Honestly, how like how could you genuinely say no to that kind of offer, right? Dude, if I if I was an 18-year-old kid and came to one visit at UCF and went to a, uh, a tailgate and football game, I'm saying yes, 100%. The oh, tailgate, exactly. The tailgate alone will get you. That place is sick. If you saw a tailgate at UCF, there's literally – you got to come down one time and uh, and we'll go. It's like there's literally 60,000 people, The everybody, the campus you could drink on campus then walk right to the football stadium and they're just – it's the tailgates are electric. Dude, I, like you can sign me. I'd walk to Florida to go to a UCF tailgate. I would, I would and just rally with you and the guys. Would, yeah. would you guys get after it? Would you guys get after it like the baseball team? Because obviously in the fall you kind of have a couple more days off when the when the football season's going. Would the baseball boys like obviously of age get after it and just pregame a little bit and watch the football game and have fun with the boys, right? Yeah, those are some of the best days of my of my time in college. Is we would get after it. Uh, wake up at eleven a.m get our stuff and go right to the tailgate and just blow it out before the game, you know? So, and it was pretty sick. There's like tents with speakers and it's like pretty much just a huge party. So that's, that's what we would do. Dude. It's just like, it, it's like, and especially being here in Canada where we can't tailgate and we can't do any of that kind of stuff. It's just looking at it. It's like, man, this is like a dream. Like, if, like that's what I felt like at the university of Michigan tailgate. Like, it's like, Dude, I'm living in a dream right now. I couldn't even imagine what it's like in the South. So I'm gonna you're gonna have to book me down to go to UCF because I already got Tabs. I already got uh, Matt Taber, our friend. He oh, wants me to yeah. go to Arizona. He, he wants me to go to Arizona and visit him. So we'll probably make it a little round trip here. So let's let's speak about Tabs because obviously Tabs is your, I believe he's your boy, right? Yeah, he's my homie. He, yeah, he's your boy. He's my boy. He's a big, he's a friend of the program, friend of the show. What's do you have any funny stories about Taber? We can kind of get a little little dirt on him for next time we have him coming on the pod. <laughs> I don't have any dirt on him. I just, he's just, uh, me and him actually just, we just met like a couple months ago, but we became really close quick. And, uh, we, we like live, I lived at his place out in AZ for like three weeks before I had, before I headed back home here. And, uh, no, he's just a dope dude. You know, he's, he's really good friends with, um, Harrison Francis, who's my, one of my best friends, Bowden is his brother. So we're, we just all would hang out like, uh, one funny story is he's he's really impulsive buying stuff. He just we were just at the mall and he just decided he wanted to buy a longboard and and skateboard around town. So he just purchased one of those real quick. He doesn't. <laughs> Dude, if this was like the 1980s, like he would or whatever. I don't know what year the hippies were a thing. He'd be a hippie. He'd be a hippie. This guy is stroll. This guy, the craziest shit I've ever seen is this guy was throwing a bullpen and then after the bullpen goes to his bare feet and is longboarding around California. I'm like, yeah. this guy's incredible, man. Yeah, they're funny. Him, him, Bowden, and Harrison are all in California and they're like saying how they're just going to be gas throwing hippies. <laughs> what are you doing in the box against uh, Tabs? Let, let, let's, uh, cause I said I'd go over 10 against them. I told them I go over 10 against them, but what are you doing in the box against them? Like, what, what do you think the pitch sequence would be like for you? Uh, he's got some good stuff. He's like a little Walker Bueller. He, uh, he's nasty, bro. So I, um, I'm just hunting the fastball, and if I get a mistake, I'm going to try and hit it a long way, but I don't know. <laughs> See, the thing the thing that would make him so successful against me is if he threw a mistake at, uh, a mistake pitch, I'd miss it. So that's why I'm saying I'd go 0 for 10, but he rarely makes mistakes. If you look at that guy's stats, man, Arizona Diamondback fans, something to be looking forward to because this guy is nasty. This guy's he a dog. He is nasty. Dude. He is for sure. He's really good. He'll, he'll strike you out. Take your girl and then longboard from your girl's house in bare feet. That's what Taver <laughs> would do. That's the kind of guy Taver is. And I'll, is, I'll say it time is, and time dude. again. A hundred percent, dude. He is. He's just he dude. He's just one of the funniest guys. That, like he's just so. In, I just find him so interesting. He's like a hippie that throws like gas. Like it, it's amazing, man. Exactly, and he's so he's such a nice dude too. Like he's got one of the best hearts you'll ever see. So I love that kid. You know, yeah, for sure. I, I like I said, I can't wait to visit him in AZ, man, because it's going to be a good time. Because he knows how to have a good time too. Tabber's Tabber can get after it, man. He's a beauty. Like, yeah, he's like he'll a good show guy. you a good time. 
for sure. He really will, man. He really will. Like, and that's the cool thing about doing this show is you <laughs> truly, really get to meet like good people doing this kind of stuff. And this, like, like I said, it's like, it's 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 cool seeing like showing off these guys' personalities to the fans because they like you don't really get to see that that much in Major League Baseball, and that's what I feel like we're doing well here with this podcast. Oh, I agree. Yeah, you're doing awesome with this. And when you're at UCF, do you guys like being at UCF and being in the spotlight, especially at a school that's like a, a, a major D1 school, do you guys get heat from fans like your rivals roasting you guys, chirping you guys that are UCF baseball players? When I was there, I kept my stuff on private, but a bunch of my teammates would and, and it, it would like they would try and look up stuff whenever you would go and play there, try and see if you had a girlfriend, see what your family's like and they would just like East Carolina. I remember that they would try and they had this little thing in, in left field called the jungle. And like I was playing left field that game uh, and they were trying to like just roast me. But I just thought it was hilarious. And uh, so I didn't really ever feed back to them. And then after the series, they tweeted at me and then another kid who played left field just saying like you guys like did, like handled it well. You guys handled us roasting you well. Like good luck the rest of the season. Like most people like get like kind of butthurt, I guess, and go back at them and like and stuff like that but i just thought it was hilarious and then some also some of my teammates like i remember like our own fans like if you were struggling like they would tweet at you like and i was just like damn like you're supposed to be a fan of this team but you're saying we're like so like we're the biggest you're the biggest bust recruit ever like you feel me yeah no people don't people have no feel with that kind of stuff like they really have no feel with that kind of stuff but it, if it's another fan man it's like it's all in good fun like that's what makes the game of baseball kind of fun because you're kind of just stand like the difference between baseball and other sports is when you're playing basketball or hockey or whatever or football and you're getting chirped from a fan you can move around the field right if you're a yeah. left fielder getting chirped by a fan you're you're there the whole game man like when you're in the field you're standing in the same spot with the same fans behind you the whole game you're getting roasted man you really are getting roasted so what's the funniest thing like a fan has ever said to you while you're in the outfield because you part you in the minors or whatever um, I think, I think one of the funny, one of the funniest things that I never really have that many, I don't have that many good stories yet, but it's like, I remember one time I, so I played, I played multiple positions in college and I would play, I played first base the first game, like, uh, first base in the second game. And then, then I played left field on Sunday and the, some guy was hammering. He's like, Oh, sick. Look, good looks. You finally got in the lineup. And then I just turned around. And I was like, Hey, I have played first base the last two games. <laughs> <laughs> so just know, I mean, they just came in hot, thought they were up to something, and then next thing you know, they're donezo. It's just like, oh, I'm an idiot. They just yeah. get put in like, like I said, a body bag, right? Yeah, and then, uh, and then I remember like two at East Carolina. There's like a six year old kid with a megaphone, just like yelling at me, and I was like, they raise them young out here to be roasting people. It's just, dude, it's crazy because like some of these minor league towns are like in the smallest little southern cities and just like some of these kids, like I said, are five years old, but legitimately dipping. Like they'll have legitimate dips, like they'll have their own tent, <laughs> like in the south. I feel like that's how it goes, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I remember when I was in the minors this year. So I, I, I start, like I said, I started in the Arizona League and then I, I went to A-ball and, uh, and I started off slow. Like my first three games, I went hitless. In, uh, so I remember on the scoreboard, you look up and it just has your stats from that team. And it says zero, zero, zero. Then I said, and we go and we play this team, Delmarva shoreboard shorebirds, it's the Orioles, a team. And I walk out from the clubhouse onto the field, play the game. I'm walking back in this fan dead. Seriously. Like I thought this was hilarious. I, like dead seriously goes to me. Hey, Osik, I hope you get your first hit tomorrow. And then I, I said to him, I said, I do too, brother. <laughs> <laughs> just a gen I mean, was, back and forth yeah i wasn't even mad i was like dude i hope so too <laughs> he's just like kind of worried about your well-being like he's like hey can i get your number check up with you tonight like i just hope you don't drink yourself to sleep like hitting zero right i mean i respect that exactly i respect it too man like you know how it is yeah, dude, it, it it's kind of crazy just sign, like listening to come of the store some of the stories and all that kind of stuff because it, it it's insane and and going back to what like when you were younger and like uh, in high school and all that kind of stuff, do you feel like it's a little bit different now for you on Instagram with that blue check mark, my man? I mean, you probably you probably got those little childhood friends you're following that are like, damn, Tyler has a blue check mark on on Instagram. He's living lavish over here, man. How cool is that? 
Uh, it's pretty cool. I, uh, I think it's, I think some of my friends that I went to high school with, they, they probably are pretty shocked. Cause I was like my, my, my younger years in high school, I was like a clown and I didn't really take, take much serious. So they're probably like, wow, like how did he do this? Talk about the process of getting a blue check mark. Cause what, what, what goes into that? Well, I, since I played at UCF, our social media guys have like, they have a big following and, and stuff like that. So then when I got drafted and then in my first year, I did really well. And then they, they just submitted a request for me. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just, I was working out and then I just went to, I went into the locker room and looked at my Instagram and I had it. So I was like, Oh, it's sick. Like could the UCF guys help me out with it? Their, their social media department. Damn. Must be nice, man. Must be, must be nice to have that little blue check mark beside the name. It's just, it's a game changer. Like I said last week to Kevin Smith, it really is a game changer. And I want to talk about the White Sox because you actually got some big league action this year in spring Mm -hmm. training, which is unreal for a guy that just got drafted. I'm pretty sure 2018, right? You got drafted 2018, 2019, 2019. Yeah. You just got drafted 2019. And I mean, a year ago, like literally May of last year, you get drafted and you're already in big league action. So that definitely saying something for you, like what the, what they're thinking about you and stuff like that. How cool was that to get big league action, man? One year into it, like not many people can say that. It was so sick. I remember I was like, I I went to spring training early uh, and I got there January 28th and I was hitting like every day with Yo Mancada and Yasmani Grandal and Nikki Delmonico and a few guys like that. So it was sick, like practicing with them and hitting with them and like learning from them and just seeing how they go about their business. And then, and then I was out there at camp early and I saw that I was going to back up the game and I was like, Oh, this is sick. Like I didn't, I would, I would have never thought last June that I would be playing in a big league spring training game this quick, but like, it's crazy. If you just, if you just keep working, like things could turn quick, you know, in your favor. So I was, it was so sick. I remember walking out there and believe it or not, this is a cool story too. Like I remember my dad, I called my dad and I told him, I was like, yo, I'm going to play in the big league game tomorrow. And he saw that we were playing the Indians. And he's like, if you see Terry Francona, tell him Keith Osick said, what's up? And that he's the best manager in the big leagues. And then, so I'm walking out of the tunnel and Terry Francona is walking out the same exact time as me. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, do I say it? I was like, I'm going to say it. So I was like, hey, Terry, my dad says you're the best manager in baseball. And he's like, who's your dad? And I was like, Keith Osick. He's like, oh, God. He's like, that's crazy. He's like, tell him I said what's up. Like, and, and like, just it was so wild. I was like, this is sick. Dude, that's uh, Terry Francona is a legend. He has a couple, he has a world, a couple World Series under his belt, man. I mean, that's crazy that like your dad knows Terry Francona too. Like that's sick. So, how, and so, it's crazy yeah. how like my dad said it, and then we coincidentally walked out at the same time. I just thought that's like that's like kind of like everything happens for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Like lining up, like. It was like a sign from the universe, like, to keep going. You feel me? Dude, you would have been kicking yourself if you didn't say anything to him. Like, you'd have been like, damn, what am I doing, dude? Like, that's that's the moment you got to just been like, all right, say it, dude. Don't be like, like, like don't, don't, like, don't bitch out. Like, say it. Like, say it to him, right? Exactly, yeah. I was like, I, I don't know if I'll ever see him again, so I might as well say something. And then, uh, and then I also, it was funny because I was like, I remember I was, like, in the bullpen, like, because I'm catching now, and I was, like, warming up some guys. And I didn't think, I didn't think I was going to get in the game, honestly. And then I went in the game in the seventh inning, got an at-bat. So that was pretty sick, too, you know, just getting an at-bat in a big league game. What was that at-bat like for you? Like, what, obviously, it's not like pitch, like you're not getting a, like a, a A-B in an actual, like a big league game in the season, but it's still the same thing. So was the butterflies there? Were you, were you a little bit like squeezing your bat a little bit harder? Were you like nervous? Uh, I wasn't that nervous, actually. It was weird. I was like in the on-deck circle, and I was like, I, thought, I, I would think I'll be more nervous than this but i think because i knew it was a spring training game and like there wasn't that many people there so i wasn't like i wasn't that nervous but i was just like i went in and i did i haven't seen I, at that time i didn't see a live pitching for like 10 days so like it looked like the guy was throwing harder than he was and you said you hit with yoan mokata i believe his name is that how you said yeah. wow yeah. shout out to me for saying that right how, how like you see this stuff in the back when you're hitting in the cage like it just the ball just comes off these bats. These guys bats a little bit different, like Vladdy, like Bo, like like all the like Robinson Cano. So, what was it like for you to kind of see a elite talent like that, like a guy that's like a 
I guess you could say a massive prospect, one of the guys that's been hyped since he was a kid. What was that like to hit with him and just learn from him and see how he swings in the cage? It it was really cool. You know, he he's very like he's very smart with the way he approaches his batting practice. He doesn't just try and launch balls, home runs and stuff. He 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 works a lot uh, hitting the ball the other way. But he's so strong and such a freak talent that he could hit the ball opposite field like in, like as, when he's hitting lefty into the left center field gap at like 110 miles an hour. Like he's just so strong and so big that like the back cup, the ball comes off his bat different than anyone I've ever seen in my life. You know, the White Sox actually do have a pretty good minor league system. And the thing that kind of strikes me that's kind of crazy is with you, a guy that got big league spring training time after his first year. It's just it just it just bananas that you're not like in the top 30 prospect list you know what i mean like do you kind of pay attention to that kind of stuff like does that stuff kind of like add some fuel to the fire for you like make you train harder all that it doesn't really uh i don't really pay attention to it just at this point uh i i just know that if i have a good year this year and do what i think i'm capable of doing if i do the the last month of the year last year if i do that for a whole season i'll be in i'll I'll put myself in a good position so I'm just focused on uh, just I just want to play because I know I was like, if I had a full year, I, I would put up some good numbers. So I can't wait for that. You know? Oh, dude, I'm excited to see it, too, because there's usually a bump when you come on this podcast. You come on this podcast, you usually shove or mash in the batter's box. That's what usually happens. It's like, a little, hey, that's a good thing, man. We'll have to do is, it each year. It is a good thing. We're not to do it. We're going to do it a lot. We're going to do a lot. But the thing is that it's just it's crazy that the season just stopped. Like it just I wonder what they're going to do here with minor league baseball, man. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, dude. I don't know. It's it's not looking too good for minor league baseball, in my opinion. I think if anything, I don't think we'll play at in minor league cities uh, this year. I think if anything, we'll be at our spring training sites and have like a like a developmental league or play on the backfields or something like that. That's if, if, if we do anything, that's what I think it'll be. Are the white Sox keeping in contact with you? Like telling you like what to do or just how to amp up your training or anything like that? Yeah, we're in contact with our trainers every week or so. And they're just checking in on us, just seeing how we're doing, seeing if we're still able to have places to train and work out and what we could do and stuff like that. They're really good at that. I, the white Sox is, I've loved being in their organization since I got there. They're awesome. Yeah, you're the first guy we've ever had, so I just wondered how, like, the organization is and kind of like that. And you guys have a prospect. I believe his name is Kopak. Is it Michael Kopak? Or Co- yeah. Is that how you say it? Yep, that's how you say it. Have you got an opportunity to see him live? Because I've watched some of his videos. This guy, first of all, I believe he, he does have, like, beautiful hockey hair, like, flow. And then he'll <laughs> go on the bump and then just throw 100-plus and just carve people up. Have you got an opportunity to see that? Yeah, last year <clears throat> I was at Instructional League, and that's in the fall in Arizona, and he was there with us, and he he was just coming back from TJ in our first game. He he started that game, and, and he hit the first pitch. That, this was his first outing back from uh, Tommy John, and I think his first pitch was 98 miles an hour, and <laughs> he, he's unreal. Dude, that guy, I'm telling you, when you see him in person, like, Usually, like when people get hyped up, you might see him and be like, and you're like, oh, it doesn't, that doesn't live up to expectations. But this guy is better than what, what anybody says. He's better. He's one of the most sick athletes and like players I've ever seen live in, in person. Is, is he, is, is he a good guy? Is he like a beauty also? Like, did you get an opportunity to get close to him or anything like that? I haven't got an opportunity to get close to him, but he's a great guy. He's, I could tell by the way he just carries himself and he, he respects all of his teammates and he doesn't think he's above anybody. He works super hard. So I, I, I have respect for him. Nothing but respect for him. Uh, I believe that this is the second last or last question here. Do you have any, cause you have, you've only been in the minors for a year, right? But do you have any like funny minor league stories where you're like, dude, like this is so like not Bush league, but I can't believe this is just professional baseball, like just shitty meals or just weird fan stories, anything like that. Uh, not really. Nothing like that yet. It's just you just realize like when you're in the minor leagues, like the, the some of the post game spreads are brutal, bro. Like that's really it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it, it's weird, man. It's it's definitely weird. And 
it's it's definitely comparable. Like it's not comparable. It's comparable to JUCO, but it's just completely different than D1, right? D1, you're flying private everywhere. Yeah. You're not private. You're flying everywhere. You're just not taking bus rides unless it's close to close. You're you're getting like twenty dollar meal limits on meals at D1s, so and then you go to this minor league system, and it's like you're eating peanut butter and jam sandwiches after games. Like it's like that, right? Yeah. Well, it's like they have like a post game spread, but it'll be like most places will be like just like pasta with meat sauce and it's like made by the clubhouse manager like where it has like it's just not like good you know what i'm saying so yeah but like one of the one of the toughest things is just like i feel like riding the bus like i remember last year we would play like like we played a game finished at 10 showered eight got on the bus by 11 15 and then drove throughout the whole night got to the next uh place at 8 a.m in the morning and then had to be at the field at 2 p.m that day so it's like so you sleep for a few hours and then go right to the and this is my last question. Let's let's end it off with a little tire pump here for you. Let, let's get you going a little bit here. Give in detail the furthest home run that you've hit in your career. Because you're a big body. I'm sure the ball just flies off of your bat. Just the ball that you sent up there and you should do the pimp job of giving the pitcher a neck brace. And just saying, watch this, buddy. Your neck might snap looking at this baseball. Yeah. Um, let me think. I think it was against I think it was against Cincinnati my junior year. I, uh, I actually did bat flip on him, but, uh, <laughs> it was a bases loaded and this guy just hung me a slider and I also had the wind blowing out and it was, it was just the farthest ball I ever hit in my life. It was, it was awesome. I've, I've had my fair share of uh, bat flips back in college, but I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I, you can't do it as much in the minors unless you're like Wander Franco. Like you're just yeah. the best prospect in baseball and no one can say shit to you. Right. I feel exactly. I, I, like, I feel like it has to be that kind of standpoint, right? Exactly. Yeah. And my coach in college would get mad at me and just say, he would tell me that I'm not in Juco anymore, that I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Dude, it's, it's crazy. It's a whole new world, man. Every level you kind of travel to, every place you kind of go, it's just completely different. You can't do certain things and you can't do certain things at different places, right? Yeah, exactly. So now I'm just, I'm just not doing that. <laughs> For sure, and do you and do you think that you have access to that uh, that bomb? Because I want to see it. Oh yeah, I have access to it. I, okay. I, I got a video. I got a video of it. Okay, cool. Because we might clip it, and because I I want to see how far this is, and I feel like just having your audio in the background would be electric. It would oh, it would yeah. be electric. Yeah, for sure. I, I will send it to you after we get off the phone. Okay, perfect, man. So I mean, there you have it, folks. I mean, this was a fun episode. It's just we got a little bit of everything in this episode. We got JUCO, we got D one, we got mo- we got minor leagues, we got big leagues, we got playing in big leagues, spring training, we got dads in the big leagues. It's crazy world. We got five year olds having dips. Skull mint. We got five year olds <laughs> having dips. We're talking about Tower. It was a lecture episode, man. Um, there you have it. I mean, future Chicago White Sox. Former UCF, former, we're going to call you a NOS champion, a former national champion with the Chipola, with Chipola. Uh, Juco banded the whole through and through. Tyler Osick, man, appreciate you hopping on. I appreciate this, man. Hey, I appreciate it. I had a blast, bro. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you.